All right. Uh, we are continuing on with our Speak Life series uh, this morning. And uh, who's enjoyed the last six weeks of Speak Life? It's been such a good series. And at the risk of repeating myself, we've set aside two months to speak on this topic, Speak Life. And it's not just because we needed to fill out things till we could do a Christmas series. Uh, <laughs> It's because we really want to embed this in part of the culture of our church. And we believe that speaking life is something Christians should do. And uh, it's hard to change the default setting that our world teaches us to uh, whinge. I know we've got hashtag no more whinge binge. It wasn't just to fill up space up there either. But we believe that Christians shouldn't whinge. What have we got to whinge about? We have salvation in Jesus Christ, amen? And uh, we believe that in this place, the culture should be that we speak into each other and we speak into people's dreams and and we lift people up with our words. We believe the culture is that we just don't gossip here. We don't gossip. We don't talk about people like that. We want to speak in love. And so we're going to spend a few more weeks doing this. In a couple of weeks, Steve Whitten's bringing a message on prophecy and, and the prophetic gift, and I'm so looking forward to that. But I pray that you'd put your hearts in a position to hear this morning and that this is really um, starting to seep in. I know this week I've said a few things, and I look at Luke and go, I shouldn't have said that. And so I hope you're doing those things too, where you catching yourself and changing the way that you are speaking. So for those taking notes this morning, uh, this message is called, That's Not My Name. And we're talking about the power of a name, the power of a name. And to do this, we're going to look at three different events that take place in the life of Jacob. As uh, we look at Jacob, we need to know that Jacob's complicated, like you and me. And uh, it's good to know that because if we don't, we kind of just brush over and think he's a biblical character and God used him because he got everything right. Far from it. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a liar, a schemer, a cheater. Gosh, this guy stooped so low that he tricked his uh, dad on his deathbed while he was blind into giving him his brother's blessing. I don't know if any of us has stooped that low yet. And uh, so none of us can look at this story today and think it's just for someone who's got it right. We're all on equal playing field, and this truth works out for all of us. In this particular passage, if you've got your Bibles, we're turning to Genesis 32, but in this particular passage, uh, we read that Jacob has fled his home, and he needs to flee his home because of some of the events that have occurred, self-inflicted, I might add, uh, that have now put his life in danger. But after 21 years of fleeing, he decides to go home and tries to put things right with his brother Esau. But on the way this happens, in Genesis 32:22, it says this. But he got up that same night and he took his two wives and his two female servants That's not the culture we're building. Uh, And his 11 children and waited over the ford of Jabbok. And then he took them and sent them across the brook. He also sent across whatever he had. So Jacob was left alone. A man, capital M, came and wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip joint and Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with him. 
And then he said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you declare a blessing on me. And so he asked, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. The power of a name. He asked for a blessing. And the angel of the Lord said, well, what's your name? Jacob. This isn't the first time we see Jacob wrestling. In fact, Jacob was a twin, and I mentioned he had a brother, Esau, but it says in uh, Genesis 22 that uh, right in in the beginning, in the womb of of their mother, Rebecca, uh, they were even wrestling then. They were wrestling. It says that she um, acquired of the Lord, what is going on here? And he says that you have two nations within you, and they're wrestling and so even as uh, they came out of the womb, uh, they were wrestling still. And Esau came out of the womb first and, and talking about names, they named him Esau because it said that he came out and it looked like he had been wrapped in a blanket of red fur because he was red and hairy. And so they named him Esau, which creatively means red and hairy. Uh, and then Jacob came out. And the wrestle was still on because he came out with his hand out first, grabbing the heel of Esau. And so they named him Jacob, which means heel grabber. They were really creative back then. And, uh, and even then they were wrestling and they had declared upon them the names because of what they saw in it. So he ended up with Jacob, the heel grabber, which sounds like a really bad WWE fighter's name. Um, But the fighting didn't stop for these two brothers in the the womb. The Bible describes these two brothers could not be any different from each other. In Genesis 25, 27 to 28, it says, Well, the boys grew up. Esau became an expert hunter, an outdoorsman, and Jacob was a quiet man, preferring the life indoors among the tents. Nothing wrong with that. And Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, one of the reasons, and I'm not saying that Jacob knew what was going on in the womb, but one of the reasons that you would want to be born first is because you would get uh, the privileges of the firstborn, which was a two-part privilege. It was the birthright. You'd be pronounced uh, uh, the birthright of the firstborn. And then there was the second part of the blessing. And all Jacob wanted was Esau's blessing. It was like he instinctively was grabbing onto his heel, trying to get ahead. All he wanted was his blessing. One day uh, Esau came in from hunting and he was exhausted and Jacob had made some great lentils. And he just said, oh, please give me a bowl of your lentils Jacob sounds like the worst little brother ever. He goes, well, I'll give you some lentils if you give me your birthright. And so traded, uh, they traded in and, uh, and Esau traded over his birthright. And that was one part, but Jacob really wanted the blessing. The blessing of the right hand from his father. And which meant that there was a decree upon his life that for generations to come, he would be blessed. And that's what he wanted. And so when his father was old, very old, and uh, he, was, he was going blind and he was on his deathbed, 
He sent Esau out to go get some, uh, to go hunt and bring back some food and make some food. And he was going to declare the blessing upon Esau. But Rebekah, the mother, heard this and said, Jacob, the blessing's going to be given to your brother. What, what we need to do? And they came up with this scheme and this plan that they could get Jacob blessed instead of Esau. And so he went in to his father's room and he took a meal and he acted as Esau. He wore some uh, goat skin so he was hairy. He put on uh, his brother's clothes so he smelt like him. And when, his, when he came in for the blessing, his father said, what is your name? And he replied, Esau. And so after some convincing, Isaac was convinced and he blessed him with the firstborn blessing. Now Esau came in from the field and he heard about this and he was furious. He wanted to kill his little brother. And so because of these events, Jacob had to flee his home. And uh, that's where we pick up in our story. We see that he's away from home. And I know this is a dramatic situation. I know this is a dramatic situation and probably one that you've never been in. But I do know what it's like to pretend to be something. I know what it's like to pretend to be somebody else and try and try and mimic somebody. I don't like who I am, so I'm going to try and act like somebody else. And and we think to ourselves, if I just act like them, maybe God will bless me like he blesses them. But God can't bless who you pretend to be. And that's why it's so significant when in the first passage I read and we see the wrestle between God and Jacob and he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he asks his name. We've heard it before. All right, you want a blessing? What's your name? It's so significant that he says, well, my name is Jacob. I like to imagine the Bible stories. I, I kind of think that when he was asked his name after the wrestle, it, it would have been like he kind of spat his name out. This name, you want to know who I really am? It's Jacob, the heel grabber, the one who could never get the blessing. I've asked you for a blessing and you want my name? You want to know who I am? I'm Jacob. I've sent everything I have off. It is just you and me now. And if you look in verse 28, and he said, oh, okay. Then the man said, but no longer. Your name is no longer Jacob, no longer heel grabber. From now on, it is Israel. The God wrestler, or some, some versions say, God triumphant. You've wrestled with God and you have come through. God changed his name. No longer was he named because of his past, but according to his purpose. I wonder what names you've allowed people to name you according to your past. What labels have you allowed people to put on you and talk about you? And and you're okay with that because, yeah, I guess it's kind of true. I have been a bit of a failure all my life. I do have this uh, riddled past of broken relationships. I guess I am always going to be alone. 
But God gave him a new name that day. According to his purpose and not his past. You know, back in uh, year five at Garden Suburb Primary School, I still remember the school song. I had a friend whose family used to go to Bali. Not for red frogs. But they used to go to Bali every so often. And back then, I sound old, back in my day, um, it was a big deal for a family to go overseas. Nowadays, gosh, everyone's chuffing off everywhere. But back then, it was a huge, huge thing for this family to go overseas every few years. And there was this one year that... uh, that they went off to Bali and us Clayton's went to Tiona. Um, my other mates went to Nelson's Bay or Shoal Bay Caravan Park and it was great. We had a great time but here this family goes off to Bali and, and they come back uh, when school starts back and my friend has all the token things, the hair braids, the little flowers painted on her fingernails the peeling skin, but one great thing that she had, she had presents. (laughs) Remember when people used to buy presents when you went away? Uh, Anyway, she came back with all these presents for the circle of friends, and we had five girlfriends here in year five at Garden Suburb Primary, and, and to our delight, she brought us matching presents. And we were stoked with this. And she, she gave it to us all and told us not to open it yet until we all had them. And then we all opened them at the same time. And, and to our delight, we all had matching bad girl singlets. <laughs> they were great. We were uh, a little bad girl gang of our own. And all matching, navy blue, white little trimming and white bad girl written across the front of the shirt. And this was amazing. You can imagine how upset I was when I went home to show my parents the present I had been given. And in a classic Terry Clayton response, you're not wearing that. You're not a bad girl, Jessica. I was devastated. What do you think a bad girl does? No, no daughter of mine is wearing bad girl. And so I was devastated. I was so upset. I went to bed a mess that night. I thought, I'm not in the gang anymore. Everyone's going to wear theirs. I'm not wearing mine. And I wake up in the morning to two pretty chuffed parents. They go, Jessica, we fixed your shirt. (laughs) What's up, Gazy? I said, I didn't know it was broken, mum. <laughs> oh, no, we fixed it so you can wear it. Oh, cool. And, to my, and they, they were so happy, they lifted it up. And to my horror, I was no longer in the bad girl gang. I was the only residing member of Rad Girl. <laughs> I was a Rad Girl. Rad Girl. Yes. Mum had gotten her creative skills. She unstitched the bottom of the bee and there it was, Rad Girl. 
Now, I have laughed about that story for so many years afterwards. But I can look back on that. (laughs) You can all think I grew up in a cult. (laughs) But this is the truth. My dad knew that names and labels had impact on my identity. And he knew that my identity directs the direction of my life. And in the Bible it says, if your earthly father knows how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father? And my dad was wise enough to know, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, you're a creation of God and he declares you good. There is no business with you labeling what God has made as bad. Yet you and I do it every day by allowing the labels and the names of our past to reside over us and dictate the direction of our lives. God's given us a new name through Jesus Christ. We're redeemed and restored, forgiven, raised in glory. You know, I I know it's a humbling thing to say, yeah, I'm a sinner. You know what? You were a sinner in Christ. You're a saint. That's our identity, church. And so we see that Jacob gets a new name, and I was part of Rad Girl. We'll have sign-ups in the foyer afterwards for the game. Genesis 35, 16 to 18, about 10 chapters over. We see that Jacob uh, is still moving throughout the land. He's done very well for himself. And uh, he has a lot of good things. And uh, it says this in chapter, in verse 16. Then they moved on from Bethel. While they were there, still some distance from Ephrath, which was Bethlehem, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair For you have another son. How good is it to have people in our lives when we're going through hard times to lift our eyes? Don't despair, for you have another son. And as she breathed her last breath, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni. But his father named him Benjamin. Thanks, Dad. I'm not sure how much you know about Jacob's life. Uh, And I've touched on only just three parts of his life this morning. But what you need to know about Jacob is Jacob was one of those romantic guys. The kind of ones you see in movies who stand out in the front holding signs and, and jukeboxes and things like that, declaring their love. This guy was a romantic. And uh, it says that he worked 14 years to marry this woman, Rachel. In the meantime, he had to marry her older sister, Leah, who he didn't Love, he tolerated. He tolerated Leah. But Rachel, he loved. That was the delight of his life. It doesn't even say Jacob loved God, but he didn't, talks about how much he loved Leah. Um, sorry. We're feeling sorry for Leah. Rachel. And Leah had about six kids. No, she did have six kids. Um, and Rachel just had one. And so when she was giving birth to her first son, she cried out and prayed, God, give me another son. And he answered her prayer. And sometimes we pray things that we really want God to do when we don't realize what it's going to cost us in the meantime. 
On a side note, we were talking in life group the other week and this great question came up. When was the last time you prayed for something that if God answered it, it would make your life more uncomfortable? And so Rachel gets the answer to her prayer. And God gave her a son. And so we see Jacob and Rachel in this verse. They stop their travels for Rachel to give birth. And during labor, Rachel loses too much blood. There's too many difficulties. And she loses her life as she gives birth to her son. And her dying wish is to name him Ben Oni. Now we've been talking about the power of a name just for these few short moments this morning. And some of your versions as you're reading there might tell you what that name means. But this is the name, that, this is the meaning of that name. Ben means son, but Oni means of my pain. As she gives birth, she says, name him Ben Oni. And Rachel decides to name the future, her future generations to come by the circumstances that she's going through. She allows the pain that she's in to dictate what she will name the future of her generations. And because we've seen Jacob name a few different things in his life, he picks that son up as the midwife comes in and says, I'm so sorry, Jacob. I'm so sorry you lost Rachel. I know how much you loved her. But her dying wish was to name him Ben Oni. But Jacob had the wisdom to go, no, 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 no. I I feel that pain. I see that. I just lost the love of my life. I see the pain and it's really real. I feel every bit of it. But I refuse to name my future according to circumstances. I will not name my son according to the past. I will name him according to the future and his purpose. And he decides to name him Benjamin, son of my right hand. The blessing that he had been chasing all his life, he declares upon his son and he renames his future what was once pain, he turns into blessing. His name is Benjamin. And in Hebrews 11.1, it says this, you know it well. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'm not saying that we need to start walking around in denial. But anyone can call a situation as it is. That's not hard. It takes faith to call it what it should be. It takes confidence and assurance to call that sickness into health. It takes courage to call that marriage back to restoration. It takes courage and faith. But this is what God is calling us to name things and places and times and peoples and experiences in our lives. You know, this wasn't the only thing that Jacob renamed. He didn't only rename his son, but he renamed places and experiences. That wrestle, I don't know about you, but if I wrestled with someone all night long, they couldn't beat me and then they pulled out the superpower of dislocating my hip, I would be annoyed. (laughs) Where did that move come from? And you know what? Jacob could have named that place the place where now I walk differently. The place of pain. 
He didn't name it that. He named it the place where I saw the face of God. And today it's time for some people to start renaming times in their lives that you look back and you just begin to curse all over. Because the spirit realm doesn't operate in time. You can speak into that situation right here, right now. And where the the place that you call pain, you can call purpose. The place where you thought, I'll never walk the same again. Amen, I'll never walk the same again because I saw the face of God. It's time to start calling you as you are and times and places and experiences where you thought the devil had his tightest grip, you can declare the greatest victories of Jesus Christ. This is the son of blessing. The son of my right hand. Take a look in Deuteronomy 30, 19. It's outside of the story, but I, I want to bring this truth to you this morning, church. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Read it again. I call heaven and earth as witnesses. Why? Because heaven and earth listens. As you say on earth, it is loosed in heaven. So be very aware then that you as Christians and spirit beings, heaven and earth is your witness. Heaven waits upon your word. Matthew 9, 29, as, as you believe it will, according to your faith, it will be. And then it says, I have put life and death. Where does that come from? We've spoken about it for six weeks. Life and death is in the tongue. So heaven and earth stands witness to what you're about to speak. Is it blessing or cursing? Make no mistake, there's no middle ground there. It doesn't say kind of blessed, kind of cursed. It stands God waiting as a witness to hear whether you will choose life or death, blessing or cursing. And this is it, so that you will live. The negative words, and I know that's a colloquial term to put on it, the Bible calls a curse. And the positive things, the things we speak in faith, the Bible calls blessing. Choose blessing. They even give you the answer. Choose blessing that you'll live. Rachel chose cursing, son of my pain, but he was over, she was overruled by the father. And today, anything that has ever been spoken over your life that is not in accordance to the word of God is overruled by your father. It's you that needs to come into agreement with him. And in Jesus Christ, hallelujah, on the cross, we have been given a new name too. I wonder what mine is. I don't know what my mom said. <laughs> Where we were once according, called according to what you've done. Listen to this, church. Where you once were called according to what you did, you are now called according to what he did for you. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, you said, how, you ask? 
in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. The curse, the cursed one who hung on a tree took every curse, every label, every name that you should not bear as a child of God upon him so that we could be named in Christ himself as his righteousness. My one defense, my righteousness in Christ alone I set before you life or death, blessing or cursing. It's time to start renouncing the words that have been spoken over you. I've shared very openly and honestly from this platform about the struggle I had with bulimia because of a lie I I believed my teacher said over me that I would never be good enough. I wonder what lie holds you bound Because let me tell you this, if anything you believe about yourself doesn't line up with the word of God, it is a lie. And church, ignorance to the word of God is your biggest enemy. Because you might know what you're not, but without the word of God, you don't know who you are. No longer will we be called by our high school certificate results by our past failures, by the lost time that we had, by our regrets, by our addictions, by our sicknesses, by our mental illness, by our sexuality, where we came from, who you were there with, what you did there. That is not my name. And that is what you need to begin to say over your life. It's one thing to speak life into others. It's another to declare who you are. No longer will I be called this. From this day forward, I'm calling it as it should be. It's easy to call it what it is. It's faith to call it as what it should be. Can I show you one more scripture? Thanks, Jolie. Genesis 35, 19 to 21. We were there before, but we didn't read this. It says 19, so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day, the pillar marks Rachel's tomb. But Israel moved on. Did you catch it? Jacob buried Rachel, but Israel moved on. Jacob buried the past, and Israel, the new name, moved on. He moved on. Jacob walked away with the same circumstances. Don't be in denial. It probably won't change a whole heap straight away. And that's where frustration comes. I thought I was meant to be redeemed. How come I keep doing this? No, no, no. It's a journey. You keep walking it out. Don't give up, church. Don't give up. Let Jacob keep burying the past and Israel keep walking forward. The circumstances were the same. His wife, the love of his life was still dead and there was still pain along with this. But he went out with a new name. We're buried as Jacob, but rose up as Israel. You take a new name, church. It's time to bury those pasts. Listen to your father. He says, you're not wearing that. You're not wearing that. That doesn't suit you. That doesn't fit a child of the king. It doesn't fit. There's some labels in here that you're even thinking of in your mind that are too obscene for me to say from this platform. Words that have broken you and dictated the direction of your life. No more. No more.
some practical application. Do you have pens or paper or a phone, something to write something down? This will only take a moment. If James and Luke, you want to come? Those slides, I think, threw to you, Cam. Can I have the first slide? This is a practical thing because it's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to start putting into action what God is calling you to do. Faith without works is dead. It's one thing to go, amen, I want a new name. But faith without works is dead. And so not right now because, gosh, you might have pages of these things. But you're going to write down the names, labels, and things that have been spoken about you that do not line up with what God says about you. Gosh, names are coming to your mind already. Things that have been said, you'll never make it. You'll never be able to change that. You'll always be alone. I never loved you. You were never good enough. All these things that plague your identity. And then this is what you're going to do. Next step. You're either going to repent because you've said it about yourself and it's not what God says. Or you're going to forgive because really that person didn't really mean to curse you. And even if they did, it's what Jesus says to do. So you repent of believing the lie that that you've, you've believed over yourself or you forgive those who decided to speak that over you. And then simply do this. It might take a while, but this is the kind of outline. You pray these things. These words, names, and labels are not who I am. They no longer hold any power over me. I break any hold that they have had on me in the name of Jesus Christ needs a space. The blood of Jesus has set me free and I declare needs a space that I am a new creation in Christ. These are the things you need to do, church. You have the authority of your Father to walk in your new name, to bury the past. Let Jacob bury all that hurt and all that pain and all those words and all those labels. And you take your new name, church, and you walk on. You walk on in faith. He has given you a new name. He has given you new life and new resurrection. You are clean. Your past does not define you. Your purpose is what God calls you according to. And when He looks at you because of what Jesus did, He sees Jesus, the perfect one, faultless. And His grace and mercy abounds. How good is our God? How good is our God, church? How good is our God? He's a good God. He's a good God. Amen. How about we stand to our feet? If you feel the Holy Spirit say, you need to do this now, act upon it. We've got time, but I encourage every single one of us to take some time and flesh that out and declare the truth of Jesus over our lives. We're going to worship for a few moments more. We'll be here if you need prayer. But I want to bless you. I declare a blessing upon your life. 
I declare freedom where there's been bondage. I declare joy where pain has taken residence. Where peace, there's peace where anxiety tried to move in. For where depression tried to label you, I declare victory. For people who are divorced and broken and feel like they will never, ever be called anything else, I call you the bride of Christ. Yeah, that's great. Perfect. Faultless. He's coming back for you. I declare uh, a fertility in, in dry wombs. I thank you, Father, for restoration of marriages. I thank you for saved children, families growing up in the house of God. I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has every victory over your life. Amen. Amen. Let's praise Him.